Hey yo, you tuned into the Legendary Blue series on Random Attractive Friends. I'm your host, LA, aka the Love Ambassador, coming to you straight live and direct from the Jungle Studios. What you just heard there was frankly the fucking awesome sound of Hound Dog Taylor. And well, quite frankly, he's our blues musician of today. He was born Theodore Roosevelt Taylor, obviously named after the uh, famous president, in April 12th, 1915 in Natchez, Mississippi, USA. He died December 17th, 1975, way up north in Chicago, Illinois, USA. Um, Kano.org is a website I got off the information for his uh, history and biography. So, yeah. Check them out, and I'm about to get started. Handel Taylor, as we said, was born Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, he was born with six fingers on each hand, which is apparently uh, does happen among a few people. It's uh, got a medical mumbo-jumbo name, and I'll let you Google it yourself. Growing up in his Mississippi Delta, his childhood was not an easy one. When he was only nine years old, his stepfather supposedly packed up all of his things in a brown paper bag, stood in the doorway with a shotgun, and told Hound Dog to cut out. That's the way the story goes anyway. For a minute further, everyone said that have known him. Uh, it could be or could not be true, but something along those lines said that he did basically get booted out of home, and he went to live with his old sister. The first instrument that Taylor learned to play was not the guitar, but the piano, which he learned as a kid. He first up picked up the guitar when he was in his teens, but didn't start to seriously play until he was around 21. At that time, he started playing all over the Delta, not only playing guitar, but piano. He also appeared a few times on the legendary King Bistet Flower radio show in West Helena, Arkansas, with Sonny Boy Williamson. In 1942, Taylor, always the ladies' man, was chased out of Mississippi one day by the Ku Klux Klan after having an affair with a white woman. Go, go hound on Taylor, you little legend. He spent the first day hiding in draining ditches, and then the next day he headed up for Chicago. He never went back. Although he continued to play his guitar semi-professionally at night, he spent the first 15 years in Chicago working several different non-music jobs. In 1957, he was building TV cabinets when he decided to become a full-time bluesman. At the time, he was also changed his playing style, where he once played the standard and E tunings. He now is playing an increasingly more bottleneck style. Uh, the bottleneck style is where you hear more the like, wah, 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 with like the wah-wah and the that gritty kind of slide guitar. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, it's actually named after dudes used to snap the bottleneck off a uh, beer and then basically use it to play guitar uh, on one of their fingers. The change came about by being heavily influenced by the then emerging Elmore James. Early on he garnered a huge local following with his wild live shows. Most of the time he would be sitting on a folding chair, stomping both feet, throwing his head back in a frenzy, drinking Canadian club and puffing on cigarettes. Urging the crowd to get up and dance, he blared away on his guitar. Taylor became one of Chicago's most loved bluesmen and a local favourite on the south and west side of town. It was during this time he picked up the name Hound Dog. He was in a club one night chasing a couple of broads around when a friend called him a hound dog because it was always on the hunt for women. The name stuck. It was also around this time when one night a drunken hound dog would, with a straight razor cut off the small extra finger on his right hand. Well, you digested that. Listen, listen to some more tunes of his.
Sleeping Dogs band The House Rockers would come about slowly in 1959 while playing the West Side Tavern. A guitar named Brewer Phillips, also born in Mississippi, gigged with the dog for the first time. The two became quick friends and Phillips would become The House Rockers' second guitarist. In 1960, Hound Dog cut his first single, Buddy Is Coming Home, Take Five or Be and Baby. But outside of Chicago, the single went nowhere. In 1961, Freddie King became a star of the song Hideaway, who we have also done a show on in our earlier blues series. A good portion of the song was copied from an instrumental King heard Taylor cranking out in a nightclub. Hound Dog never did receive composer's credit for the song, but didn't seem to be bothered by it either, as King was one of the several bluesmen who borrowed from him. In 1962, Hound Dog's second single, Christine, was released by Firma Records, and then 1967, a third single, Watch Out Down Home, came out. But like his third single, the tunes went unnoticed. In 1963, Ted, no, 1965, sorry, Ted Harvey joined the House Rockers as their drummer, replacing Levi Warren. He and Hound Dog had first met in 1955 when Ted was backing the legendary Elmore James. At James' funeral in 1963, the two met again, which led to Ted finally joining up. At this point, and from there on, there was only three house rockers. Hound Dog on the slide and vocals. Phillips, nobody ever used his first name, played the bass on his sixth string and an occasion would play the lead, and Ted on the drums. The three sounded like a much larger band, and you can tell even from their recordings how it sort of sounds like they are stuck in a nightclub and there's about ten people backing them on the guitar and drums. They were loud, and the dog could get distortion out of his guitar like no one else could, in part thanks to his cheap amps but he also could get his guitar to cry like anyone else. He was truly a gifted slide player and at his happiest when he played live with his band. The house rockers never rehearsed before any shows. They are also big drinkers and as a rule, played only after a reasonable amount of alcohol was consumed. I understand getting a little bit lubed up before you go on stage. <laughs> Probably not good for your long-term health, but I mean, it's a great idea to get in the mood. Uh, he then would, one after another keep knocking them down eventually when he was a little bit pissed he'd be like all right let's do this <laughs> let's have some fun and that sort of became the mantra of the shows uh let's have some fun let's boogie and let's get down man uh so he became a regular at the florence lounge on the south side of chicago uh, which at its time had an enormous amount of blues uh clubs and was quite heaving before unfortunately the uh the violence took over in that part of the city in 1969, things would start to change for the Hound Dog. He would meet his future manager, the one man who believed in him. Well, I'd say others believed in him, but we're talking about from a recording industry perspective. Uh, Bruce Iglor. Iglor met Taylor in a club called Eddie Shaw's, where Hound Dog would join it in to jam with other bluesmen. It Iglor would not actually get to hear Hound Dog play with the House Rockers until the next year when he moved to Chicago and finally dropped in on one of their gigs. He went around because he worked for Delmark Records to try and get them signed, and he tried and tried and tried, and he came across a bit of money, 2500 bucks from his inheritance, and he thought, well, you know what, this guy's too good to waste, the old hound dog Taylor, I'm enjoying it, I want to put my money where my mouth is, and basically started Alligator Records, and then eventually recorded the hound dog Taylor. Let's listen to some more tunes.
Hound Dog recorded his first album with the older uh, Inklaw in 1971. In fact, it was done in two nights during the spring, uh, and his debut album created all the energy of the band. He used a $50 Japanese electric guitar and Sears Roback amplifiers with cracked speakers for the recording. So that's how, in a lot of his recordings, you actually get the distortion, because he was essentially very clever in the fact that he used the the harshness of cheap equipment <laughs> to his benefit, and that's what really gave him that gritty edge. For under $1,000, the master tape was made, and with the remainder of Iglaw's inheritance, a 1,000 copies were pressed. Within a year, Hound Dog, Taylor and the House Rockers was the biggest selling blues record on an independent label, selling 9,000 copies. One song on the album, Taylor Penn, Give Me Back My Wid, which you heard earlier, Give Me Back My Wid, would in turn become one of his best-known songs. Handog and the House Rockers toured. He actually came to Australia. In fact, I remember seeing pictures of him in one of the, the uh, holes in Melbourne, uh, New Zealand, and also went around the world. He would still play the same songs in the same way on the same cheap old Japanese guitars, and the bass player was never added, so no one would keep up with him on the bass guitar. He basically just cut loose with his buddies, and that's the way he rocked. Handog's second album, Natural Boogie, was released in 1973 and was filled with more guitar slide and all the songs for the second album were recorded and mixed at the same session back in 1971 but produced the first album, which in itself is amazing. They've obviously just got blind and spent two days in there just going for their life recording. Uh, yet this album had its own somewhat different feel to it. Handog himself liked this album better than the first. The album got more positive reviews, as did Handog in general. In early 1975, it was decided that a live album would be put together. Handel was at the height of his success and was now starting to get better gigs and his music continued to sell even more. But sometimes things just don't go the way they planned and it also seemed that, uh, well, you know, trouble was brewing. Uh, before we get into the final bit of the story, what I want to do is just play a bit of a start of the live gigs for you. I'll just give you an, a, a feel for what it was like. Well, all right, let's come to the conclusion of the story then. Although Hound Dog, Taylor and Phillips in his band were close as friends, they got into numerous fights throughout the years. One day in May 75, 
while Phillips was visiting Hound Dog Taylor, along with Sun Seals at the Hound's apartment, a drunken fight broke out between Phillips and Hound Dog. It seemed Phillips said something insulting about Hound Dog's wife, Freda, so Hound Dog left the room and then returned with a 22 rifle. Aiming for the couch, he hit Philip twice, once in the forearm and once in the leg. Seals then took the gun away from Hound Dog. Luckily, Phillips would recover and be okay, but Hound Dog would not. Philip pressed charges and Hound Dog was supposed to be tried for attempted murder. But the dog was a heavy smoker and was sick, very sick. He ended up dying of lung cancer and instead of facing a trial, he landed in the hospital. On his deathbed, his last wish was granted when Phillips visited him in the hospital and forgave him for the shooting. Uh, so, you know, happy ending. Yeah, we all get into arguments with our mates. Let's make it up at the end, which is the most important. And that's, uh, that's uh, most important for everyone as well. So Handel Taylor passed away the very next day on December 17th, 1975. Uh, he had albums that came out later, uh, 1976, 74, and throughout the 80s as well. Uh, and he, well, I guess this is probably the best way to do a bit of a closing. Now, Handel Taylor, for me, is, is your way of travelling into what it would have been like to sit down at a gritty Chicago blues club in the 60s and 70s. Now, I've been to Chicago and I've been to blues clubs and there, and they are awesome, but they're a little bit, um, for lack of a better word, gentrified now. Uh, and when you listen to Hound Dog Taylor, you kind of transcend to what it really would have been like. Uh, and the fact that he uses this insane amount of distortion um, and energy and he really comes just to lay it down. And just when you kind of go back through the story and read about how they knocked down a couple of whiskeys, you know, and he's not, not too shy to pull the gun out and, and it's just all of this energy combines into this unbelievable, powerful, uh, enjoyable musician. Uh, he would always say, when I die, they'll say he couldn't play shit, but he sure made it sound good. Well, Hound Dog Taylor, I'd just like to say that you fucking ripped it on the guitar. You're awesome, and you know what? You'll always be my shit. Peace to you, brother, and I hope you rest easy wherever you may be, and uh, have a bit of a slide guitar and a whiskey on me, mate. All the best. Said, you come back home tonight. Oh, said, will you come back home tonight? I love you. You know I'm gonna treat you right. You don't love me. Why didn't you let me know? Oh, Lord, why didn't you let me know? Maybe somebody had let you go. I call her, and I call her on the phone. 